2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to preach a message entitled, When Your World Falls Apart. When Your World Falls Apart. Now, I'm not going to preach every service um, about this pandemic, but the Lord just laid this on my heart, and I feel, feel like it might be an encouragement to your soul as it was to mine as I studied these truths out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know the background of the story. And before I get into that, I want to uh, announce that um, we had scheduled March 8th as our annual men's retreat with uh, Brother Mark Coffey, who is in quarantine for a few more days, uh, coming in from South Africa for the wedding. And uh, uh, so we're going to probably have to counsel that, or maybe we can do it on Zoom, or maybe we can do it some way. But um, I'm, I'm sorry we're going to have to do that, but it's going to be First Friday in March, is uh, May, excuse me, May, we had that uh, uh, schedule. Now, when we have the men's breakfast, I think I'm going to change that uh, because um, uh, we're going to probably do uh, a men's jogging club, amen, because of all the weight that we have gained. My tie is tighter than it was before this pandemic. I'll tell you what, my wife has cooked and cooked and cooked, and I've ate and ate and ate, and I'm telling you what, we're going to have to do something about that, but Amen. Thank the Lord for His grace. Thank the Lord for good family. So, a preacher called me up yesterday or day before yesterday or texted me and said that I ought to preach the message entitled, Bring the Holy Spirit Home. I don't know if it's because his family has fallen apart or because of all the pressure, but you know something? This will reveal how much you need a spiritual home during these times when you're there all the time. I hope you're having a sweet time, a harmonious time with your mate and your children that everything's going great, but just in case it's not, next Sunday morning, I'll be preaching on Bring the Holy Spirit Home, and it's old revival in the home, so I hope that you'll tune in. Second Corinthians chapter 12, the background of this is that Paul has, has, uh, went to heaven, whether by vision or physically, went to the third heaven, and he saw that, and the Lord wanted to make sure that it did not go to his head, but to his heart. And, uh, you know, he was an apostle. Uh, verse 12 says, True, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So the apostles had apostolic gifts, amen? They could raise the dead, they could heal. Uh, and a lot of people claim to be apostles, get on the TV and try to make a lot of money with it. But I want to tell you something, there is no apostles today, amen? But this apostle uh, had a uh, vision of heaven and... Uh, the Lord wanted to keep him humble. And so we'll see in verse 7 uh, through verse 10 some great principles when your world falls apart or when you have divine disruptions. I have ne I never would have predicted this. No one in this place would have or anybody in our church congregation would have predicted that we'd have a time where we'd miss five services in a row. And I believe it'll probably be more like eight services in a row or maybe more, I hope not, I pray not. Um, uh, but, you know, this is unexpected, and this was a, a disruption. And my question is, what is God trying to teach us? And that's what I want to deal with uh, today. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God, you that are here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the mesh, measure, mesh, messenger of Satan 
to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. He prayed three times to be healed, and God said, no, no, no. And then it goes on to say, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And he changed his prayer. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in, per, in, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for each person that's listening in. And I pray, dear God, that there's some divine appointments out there that somebody has tuned in. Lord, that we probably never would meet or never would know, maybe somewhere, somewhere overseas or out west. It's early out there. But dear God, wherever they might be listening, I pray, dear God, you'd speak to their heart. and Speak to our church family. Lord, I'm concerned about them. I love them. I miss them so much. And I sure want this message to be an encouragement to, to the folks of Whitfield Baptist Church. I love them. Thank you, God, for the way you're blessing, the way you've been blessing. Uh, Lord, as we uh, went to and handed out some of the Master Club books yesterday to see the joy upon those little ladies' heart as Ms. Connie handed them their book to do homework and how they missed their church and how they missed coming on Wednesday night to study the Word of God. Lord, it just broke my heart that we can't be together. But Lord, until then, may we, dear God, still worship you and praise you and not question you, but Lord, learn through this experience. And God, grow, grow, grow closer to you is our prayer. Lord, save a soul that's lost this morning. God, help the backslidden that don't miss church, hadn't even thought about church. God, may they tune in uh, sometime this week and hear this message and be brought under conviction that they need God. We're going to thank you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Use your word. We'll give you the glory. Amen. We see most people go through life trying to avoid pain. Uh, if you don't believe it, the pharmaceutical industry is booming. And uh, if you want to make money, get into drugs. No, that didn't sound right. Uh, get into prescriptions, amen. Get into pharmaceutical because everybody wants to avoid pain at all costs. And uh, some people abuse that a lot in the United States. Uh, they use money, medicine, other method, methods to protect themselves. Uh, scripture teaches us the opposite, though. While we're to seek, um, we're not to seek to get in trouble or seek trouble or trials, but when they come, I believe God's got a hidden lesson for us and even a blessing for us in the midst of trouble. First of all, I want you to see the principle for disruptive moments. It's found in all these verses. Disruptive moments are those that are unanticipated. Didn't this catch y'all off guard? It sure did me. Um, it's uh, events that we would not choose to go through. We'd avoid them at any cost. A disruptive moment uh, is uh, painful. It's inconvenient. It's disappointing. And it can be depressing. And you know, uh, most older people like me, 
uh, and I'm not real old, but I'm old enough to know this. When I look back on my life, Brother Mark, Brother Randy, uh, when I look back on my life, I can look at the times that I learned the most and drew closer to God were in the classroom of suffering. It was in the classroom of a broken heart. It was in the classroom where it wasn't all happiness and all success, but there was some suffering involved. There was some disappointment. There was some broken heartedness involved. So one, one, one person said this. He said, the only thing that uh, really touches one is life in life is understanding God's grace is sufficient and not to waste it. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. So first of all, I want you to see in verse 7 the purpose of disruptive moments. Look at verse 7. It says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I want you to see the purpose of all this. This pandemic, uh, suffering, trials, tornadoes, all the things that we go through. Uh, folks, I believe that everything in the Christian's life in God's will is a divine appointment. Can somebody say amen uh, right there on your living room couch? But I want to tell you something. And, and these appointments are God-ordained. They're God-allowed. You know, nothing comes in our life that is not from God. I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 2. I'll wait on you because that's a hard uh, uh, book to find. But Zechariah, and I want you to look at chapter 2 uh, and verse 8, please. The Bible says this, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, that's a, that's a title of, of, being, uh, of a powerful, almighty God, After the glory hath he sent me into the nations which spoiled you, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. Did you hear that verse? It said when somebody touches you, they touch the apple of his eye. And you know, the Bible tells us that nothing comes in our life that is not allowed by God. Uh, Job chapter 1, when Satan wanted to uh, go after Job, he had to get permission from God. And I love the last few verses where it says that Job never ceased to worship God during all the heartache and pain. So number one, uh, it's a divine appointment and the purpose of these disruptive moments is that God has a purpose. And you know, God is our defense. The Bible says in Isaiah uh, chapter 59 verse 19 that uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God is with us. Amen? And you know, the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? In Romans chapter 8 verse 37. So God is our defense. And then God has a limitless resources by which He meets our needs. The Bible says He'll meet our needs according to His riches and glory. He'll meet all our needs, not all our greeds, but all our needs. And then, you know, one thing that really comforts me during times like this, we have an everlasting comforter. I love John chapter 14 where He's telling His disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, but not so I told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive into myself that where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas looked at him and said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can you? we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh the Father but by me. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible says in, the, in verse 16 of that chapter, a wonderful, comforting truth. It says, and I will pray the Father, 
and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Did you hear that? When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in your life forever. You don't lose your salvation. That would be an insult to the name of God because I'm going to tell you something. If we could lose our salvation, then God's a liar. And folks, I want to tell you something. God does not lie. He said you'd have everlasting life. Everlasting life means everlasting life. But I want to tell you something. Not only do you have everlasting life, during that life, no matter what comes, you have an everlasting comforter. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it's an everlasting consolation. And so when life gets too heavy to bear, God comes alongside and helps us. Can somebody say amen? Uh, there used to be an old wise tale. Somebody probably uh, said this in your family, maybe a grandmother or something, and I hate to disagree with grandmother, but if grandmother said this, uh, she's wrong. Turn to Exodus chapter 18 while, I'm, while we're t talking about this. Uh, some people have this old saying that um, God won't put on, put on you more than you can bear. Well, let me tell you that that's false. God allows a lot of things to come in your life that you cannot bear. But He never allows anything to come in your life that He cannot bear in and through your life. Exodus chapter 18, uh, verse 18 says this, Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for the thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. But look at verse 19, Exodus chapter 18. Let's study the word of God this morning. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel. And God shall be with thee. Be thou for the and it says, be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the cause, causes unto God. The Bible says, hey, listen, when it's too heavy for you, when you're not able to perform the task that God has given you, you're not able to go on, you're not able to rejoice, God will be your joy. God will be your strength. And you know, we, we need to realize that God will put a lot of things on us that we cannot bear, but there's nothing that He cannot bear in and through our life. When we are put in a position too difficult for our abilities, we're reminded that He will bless us as we put our hand to that, to that uh, task. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, turn with me there. This is all introduction. I'll get to preaching in just a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Sure glad we didn't try to go outside. It's 46 degrees and pouring down rain. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. The Bible said this, and I want you to listen very close. It said, Thou shalt surely give him, and that heart shall be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thy hand unto. See, we need to do our part. God will do his part. Say amen. And you know, a lot of times <clears throat> we just sit around on our blessed assurance and say, well, God, you're going to take care of it. But sometimes God wants us to get up and do something about it. But let me tell you this, friend, you can't do it completely. You cannot <clears throat> uh, obtain or, or accomplish all that you need to do. God is able. And so number one, <clears throat> let me just say this. The purpose of disruptive moments is that God wants to help you. 
God wants to bless you with grace. And God wants to get the glory when you realize that you can't do it and that no one can do it except Him. And He gets the glory. Then number three, I want you to see the pain of this disruptive moment. In verse 7, the Bible says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there would give me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, (coughs) to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Folks, a thorn in the flesh. What was this thorn? Well, a lot of people have said, well, it was blindness because he saw the light on the road to Damascus. One preacher or one commentator who was totally off-based said it was his mother-in-law. He wasn't his mother-in-law because he wasn't married. Say amen. Not say amen that he wasn't married, but he wasn't married. Amen. And folks, listen, uh, we don't know what the thorn is. We have no idea what the thorn was. And the reason is I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to uh, let your thorn identify with this thorn. Whatever you're going through, God is able. But verse 10, it goes on to say infirmities. It says reproaches. It says in needs, uh, necessities, in persecution, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so we see, folks, usually there's not progress without pain. You know, our society is skin deep. Uh, We emphasize clothing, fashion. We emphasize makeup. You ladies only, praise God. Uh, Plastic surgery, tummy tucks, nose jobs. I mean, uh, plastic surgeons are making a killing these days because nobody's satisfied with themselves. But although there may be nothing wrong with all that, uh, it's just cosmetic. I want to tell you what God wants. He wants some character. He wants some substance. He wants to shape you. And folks, the crucible of adversity shapes us more than anything else. When we're going through the fire, the gold comes out. When someone tells Uh, Me, I've never had a problem in my life. I've never had a difficulty. I'm confident that I'm talking to a very shallow person. Because I want to tell you something. Storms, disruptive moments, always leaves us a list of things that we need to clean up, that we need to fix. Uh, Storms for a Christian are a no-loss proposition. It helps us see the leaks. We have several leaks that we're having repaired uh, next week. And if it wasn't for the storms, we wouldn't find them. If it wasn't for the rain, we wouldn't find them. Uh, It shows you the uh, missing shutters and the rotten fence posts when the storms come through. And the only one who can make the necessary repairs in our life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's a great lesson to learn. And so folks, we need to see, first of all, uh, the perspective of this whole thing that everything's a divine appointment and that God's still in control, God's still on the throne, and God has this under His control. And then we need to see, second of all, the purpose and then the pain. But I want to get to the main part of the message, and I won't be long because I know that you can't listen as well as if you could listen here in a pew with your wife elbowing you saying, listen, or uh, teenagers, your parents looking back at you saying, hey, listen. And so I'm going to be very brief. But I want you to look at verse 9, the provision in the disruptive moments. Look at verse 9. It says, And he said unto me, 
my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want you to see this. I want you to see the provision in the storm. I want you to see the provision in the disruptive moments. <coughs> God's grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect, mature, obvious. Paul asked God three times to heal him. <coughs> and the, the, the throne in the flesh uh, was painful. And it was uncomfortable. It was inconvenient. <coughs> but God um, did not answer his prayer the way Paul was praying. He said, no. He said it again, no. The third time, he said, no. And God's not a mean God. God's not trying to hurt Paul. <clears throat> Paul was not out of the will of God. Paul was not a sinner. Paul was really in the middle of God's will, doing God's will, uh, writing this wonderful book, trying to help this church of Corinth, uh, and folks, here he is uh, praying, and God said no. You know why? Because God knows best. Uh, in my younger days, when I was young, there was a black and white uh, uh, TV program. All of them were black and white, I guess. No, I think we had colored TV when I was young. And um, the name of the program that I liked so much was Father Knows Best. And I believe it was Jane. She was either the wife or the daughter. I'm sure I forget. But uh, she'd always come to the father for advice, and the father always had good advice. It's not like the sitcoms today, I promise you that. And folks, we see that the father knows best. And so folks, sometimes we want an easy out. We want no pain. We want the mountain to be removed, but God wants us to climb the mountain. We want the storms never come in our life. We definitely don't want to be cooped up in the house for 17, I better not say 17 weeks, <clears throat> for five or six weeks. Uh, we don't want to uh, uh, lose our jobs. We don't want to have this sickness. But God has allowed it for some reason. And God promises something better than the thorn being released. There's something better than healing. Uh, there's a lot of people that just demand God. And folks, I don't think you should ever demand God. You ought to get a hold of God's will and then uh, seek and claim His will. We don't demand God. We don't boss God around. He's not our, our cart boy at the grocery store. He's God. And sometimes we pray and God has the right, the sovereign right to say no, no, no. And so God promised something better than healing. And here, here's what He promised. And this is what He gave Paul. Grace. Grace to live with the thorn. Perfect strength in the midst of human weakness. The provision is God promised grace. You know, in John chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters, he's about to go to the cross, and he leaves his disciples with a great illustration. It's called the vine, and, and folks, the branch. We're the branch, he's the vine. You better know who you are. You're the branch, and God is the vine all source of substance in our life. But you know, in John chapter 15, there's something that takes place, and I'll, I'll deal with this in just a moment. The gardener prunes the fruit. And uh, the fruit-producing vine, he prunes it. 
And he, he does that for more fruit. And so pruning <clears throat> is very painful. Uh, the other day, I got uh, restless in the house, so I got my chainsaw out, and there's these bushes uh, near my driveway. And my wife cringes every time I pick up a chainsaw. But I just started, I just started whacking away, not whacking away, I just grabbed that thing up. Thank God it cranked, or I'd had to do it manually. And I just started uh, taking those bushes down. And I mean, I took them down to just a, they're now a little bush. And uh, I'm praying they'll come back. And folks, I want to tell you something. I was doing that not to hurt those bushes. Those bushes probably looked at me and says, what is this crazy owner of me doing with a chainsaw? And what I was doing, I was trying to get the bushes out of the driveway, say amen, and I was pruning them. And folks, pruning is painful. But I want to say this, pruning is productive. And the gardener is never closer to the vine than when he's pruning it. Think about that for a second. May I testify, I've never sensed the closeness and the grace of God as I have in these last few weeks. I've never sensed the closeness and the grace of God in the times that my life and my world was falling apart. I'll give you some in closing this morning. I mean, things fell apart as I was a youth pastor and a newlywed in a church, and things just fell apart. And God used that in my life. And so I want you to know, friend, there is a, there is a, a pain uh, in, this, in, the, in the disruptive moments, but there is a provision. And that provision is this, is grace, which is sufficient. God's riches at Christ's expense is what saved you. Grace of God saved you. But I'm going to say the grace of God strengthens you. And the grace of God sustains you. And folks, we need the grace of God before we can have the peace of God. And folks, that's a miracle. And then I want you to see, fifthly, the product of a disruptive moment. Look at verse 9. And he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in the infirmities and the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And look at verse 10. Therefore I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. When I am weak, then I am strong. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Look at that phrase. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God told Paul that he would give him grace and strength so that no one would think it's Paul's strength. No one would think it's the apostles' miracle or it's the apostles' platform. Uh, the life and ministry of Paul would be humanly unexplainable. Why? Because of the grace of God. And so the greater Paul's human weakness and limitations in this disruptive moment, the greater and, most, most, and more obvious the grace of God that was sufficient would shine through his life. It's unexplainable. Folks, this Christian life is unexplainable. This Christian life <clears throat> is a miracle. Say amen right there. It's a miracle. And folks, we ought to be a miracle to a lost and dying world. And so God allows these disruptive moments so they can look at your life and say, that is humanly impossible. He's rejoicing. He's still worshiping. He's still faithful. He's still praying. And at least he's still smiling 
by the grace of God and maybe by faith. He's still, Brother Randy, living by faith. And then the world says that's proof positive evidence that God is real. Folks, listen, if everything was hunky-dory and everything was great and we never had problems, we never had storms, we never had a thorn in the flesh, then folks, the world would just take us for granted. But when there is a pandemic and when there is trials and when there is storms and we don't fall apart and when the world falls apart, but we don't fall apart because we're living by faith, God is noticed and God is lifted and God is exalted. And see, the product of disruptive moments produced dynamic growth. Look at verse uh, 9. It said, more power. Most gladly, therefore. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in, in weakness. And I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Folks, in the, this verse is saying, hey, listen, the product of not panicking and pouting, but praying and yielding in times that, it's, that our world is falling apart is that God gives us more power that rests upon us, more grace. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, I could have read several verses in Hebrews 12, but I want to make this short. I've always wanted to do that and never accomplished it, but anyway, Hebrews chapter 12 and I want you to look at verse uh, 11. Uh, why does the Lord whip us? Uh, because we're legitimately His children. The Bible says in verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, He chases and scourges every son who receiveth. Verse 8 says you're illegitimate if you don't receive chastening. Now I believe America's due for a lot of chastening. I believe this world's due to a lot of chastening. We've kicked God out, and now we're, now we're crying out to God as a nation. Thank God we are. But I want to tell you something, friend. I believe the Lord disciplines His children. He even disciplines nations. But I want you to see the reason that He does that. In verse 11, it says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yieldeth, after, afterwards <clears throat> it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. See, God wants you to have more grace, but He wants you to be more righteous. Folks, I want to tell you something. You're in trouble if this is not drawing you closer to God. You're in trouble if you're not closer to God than you were five weeks ago. You're in trouble. Because I want to tell you something. Well, it's because I'm not in church is the reason I'm backslidden. Listen, you're depending too much on a gathering when you ought to depend on God. Amen? You ought to be closer to God than you've ever been in your life today. And if you're not, the Bible calls it backslidden. Slidness, backsliding. Uh, we ought every year, every day, be closer to God. Amen? Closer to Jesus. And so there's more power, more grace, and then there's more righteousness. But thank God, as I referred to in John chapter 15, there's more fruit. There's more fruit. Look at John 15. The Bible says in verse um, 2, it says, Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth what? What is it, class? More fruit. More fruit. That's what God wants. He wants more fruit. What is the fruit of a Christian? Another Christian. <clears throat> what is the fruit of a Christian? Holiness. Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Holiness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not man-made rules. It's not man-made righteousness. 
Folks, when you're living yielded to the Holy Spirit, there's some holiness about your life. There's godliness about your life. That's what holiness means. And so, folks, uh, there's good works, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. And, folks, there's a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, happiness. God wants more of that in your life. And that's why he has these uh, disruptive times in our life like pandemics, which I would have never thought would ever happen in America. Look at verse 5, John 15. It says, I am the vine, you're the branch. You better get that down. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Without me, you can do nothing. Jesus speaking. And so folks, there's more fruit. And then verse uh, 5, there's, uh, much fruit. Don't you see one other verse? Verse 8, John 15. Don't you love the Word of God? Look at verse 8. It says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Now folks, I want to tell you something. The reason God allows us to go through these storms, these problems, these pandemics, personal sickness, personal sorrows, personal tragedies. When your world falls apart, the reason God allows that is not for you to get bitter or to get mad or to backslide or never come back to church and blame God. He wants you to be more like Him. And He wants you to bear more fruit, more righteousness, have more grace for one reason, for His glory. For His glory. It's all about His glory. You know, during a storm, uh, stormy weather, when the strong winds blow, uh, the roots of plants actually dig down deeper than in calm days. And then when they return to the sunny days, they have a deeper foundation. And thank God that's what ought to happen in our life. That when we go through trials, disappointments, disruptions, uh, pandemics, whatever we're going through, financial reversal, uh, domestic, whatever the trouble might be, we ought to pray, dear God, help me to be more rooted and grounded in your love and be more compassionate and more like you. And then last but not least, I want you to see the perspective that you ought to have in dis disruptive moments. Turn in our text, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to look at uh, verse 9 again, it says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now here's his response, and this ought to be our perspective. It said, Therefore. Therefore. Folks, I want to tell you something. When God says something, it says you ought to respond with, Lord, therefore. I Will I rather glory in my infirmities? Listen now, glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, most gladly, I'd rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon you. During disruptive moments, the right question is never, why, Lord? It's always, what, Lord? What do you want to teach me through this disruptive what do you want to teach me through this trial? What do you want to teach me through this storm? You know, I feel sorry for anyone that goes through a terrible storm like this, like the tornadoes, and they don't learn a thing. 
They ought to learn that God is their only source of life. And that God is their only source of hope. And that God is the only source of grace and peace. No matter how much people try to help them, it won't replace the things. But I want to tell you something. God spared your life. You ought to let that life be one that glorifies God. If we get through this pandemic in one piece, we ought to come out with, with a joy unspeakable, a faith unshakable, and a life that is unwavering. A faithful life. A, a, a vine that's producing great fruit. And folks, it shouldn't be why, Lord, but it ought to be what, Lord? What are you teaching me through this disruptive moment? What do you want to teach me? And our prayer should be, give me wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, well, to ask for wisdom. But in context, it's when we're going through divers, temptation, or trials. And he says, well, to not, not have any wavering, but by faith, well, to come to God and say, Lord, don't let me waste this trouble. Now, folks, trouble's bad enough. Heartache is bad enough. Storms, thorns in the flesh, whatever you might be going through, it's bad enough. But I'll tell you what's a tragedy when you don't learn a thing from it. When you don't draw closer to God. And when you don't let God change your prayer of most gladly, therefore. Those gladly, I would rather glory in my infirmities, my sorrows, my pain, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh, folks, he says, I'd rather glory in my infirmities. You know what the word glory means? Rejoice. That's why he could write in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That's why he could say in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known unto God that the peace of God may rule your heart. Folks, I want to tell you something. I believe God is trying to teach us a lesson. And I don't think our question will be, well, why, Lord? Because we don't know why. And we don't know where it really started. Everybody's trying to blame this lab and that lab and that country. But I want to tell you something. God allowed it to come in our lives for one reason. That we might say, Lord, I glory, I rejoice, and I yield to the power of God. And folks, our prayer ought to be, Lord, let the, let the power of Christ rest upon my life. Folks, it's not pleasurable. It's not easy. It's not pain-free what we're going through. But I want to tell you something. What we ought to do is not only go through it, but we ought to let God teach us through it. We need God and that His grace is sufficient, and that all glory goes to Him, and our lives do not belong to ourselves. And it's not our world that's falling apart. It's God's world, and His world's not falling apart. Amen? Seems like yesterday that I was a youth pastor with many hairs ago, in 1976 or so. My first pastor, 74, I believe it was. And our, my youth class was booming. We averaged over 70 in Sunday school every Sunday morning. We averaged over 100 one month. And I mean, it was just amazing the souls that were getting saved. And then the pastor of the church that started the church fell into sin. I believe he killed his wife, my, my wife's very best friend. And folks, I want you to know that 
He had to leave that church that he began five years before. And Connie and I had only been married 18 months and we'd only been in the ministry two years. It was our first ministry. Things were going so good. I mean, souls were being saved. The Sunday school class was having to meet in the auditorium because so many youth were coming. And everything fell apart. And I tell you what, I thought it was the end of my ministry and my life. I remember Connie and I fasted for three year, three years, three days, and prayed and wept and said, God, we quit. We're, we're finished with this. If the pastor can do that, uh, we're just we're just we're out of here. And God gave us hope to stay there as interim pastor for a few months, and God sent a great man of God named Brother Paul Forsythe. And he began to train me and help me and pray with me every day and love me and encourage me. And then two years later, I left that church and started this church in Dalton, Georgia. And I want to tell you something. Through those two years with him, but also during that tragedy of everything falling apart, I learned this and my wife learned this. It's always too early to quit. I guess that's why I've been here 42 years. And it's, it's always wrong to shake your fist at God and say, God, why did you allow that, this to happen? And it's always wrong, always wrong to uh, try to question God and, 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 and get depressed and give up. And it's always right to say, Lord, no matter what, I'll glory. I'll, I'll rejoice. I'll have faith in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. During the next two years, God blessed and started rebuilding the church. And I'll never forget uh, another tragedy that took place. I just might share this personally. I've got a few minutes. Uh, we had twins in our church, Sammy and Danny Ritchie. And I mean, they were just cut ups in our, my youth choir, and, 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 you know, they were just full of life. And, and, uh, Sammy was coming home from third shift at Baxley a long ways and he had to get there, take a shower real quick and then go up to Statesboro and conduct the the, uh, Georgia Southern College Bible study. He was in charge of it. On the way up there, he fell asleep. And when he woke up, he saw a car coming right at him, a couple from Virginia, and they both tried to dodge each other and go off the road, and when they hit head on, uh, it popped Danny's neck. He died instantly. And I had to go to that funeral home with his parents and identify him. And we thought that was the end of the world, that nothing good could ever come out of this, and and, uh, we preached to about 900 people in, in the in the church for his funeral. And there was a lot of people that got saved because Danny was a great athlete and there was a lot of athletes there and uh, several of them got saved. But about 30 minutes after the funeral, the pastor's son, Paul Forsythe Jr., came to his daddy and said, Daddy, I'm really not saved. I'm going through the motions. I'm a preacher's kid. I'm just, uh, I'm just, I just thought I was saved, but I'm really not saved. And that young man got saved that morning. We baptized him the next Sunday. The whole church rejoiced. 
And so folks, listen, when your life falls apart, you feel like nothing good could come out of this. God can get the glory if we'll just continue to glorify God. Yield to Him as a branch to the vine and let God have His way and even rejoice and have faith that God makes no mistake and that God is able to take this disruptive moment and get glory through our little lives. So I think the best thing we could do this morning is to yield everything to God, our whole life to God, and say, Lord, I'm not going to ask why. I'm going to ask what do you want me to learn. And Lord, make me more like you through this pandemic. Let's pray. Father, thank you for <clears throat> this message that you laid on my heart. And Lord, I even thank you for the trials in our lives that we went through. Lord, it's been a classroom of pain. It's been a classroom of heartache. It's been a classroom where we felt like the whole world fell apart and our whole ministry fell apart. But God, your grace was sufficient. Your grace was so greater than our problems and our selfishness and our pity and our depression. God, your grace came through. We praise you this morning for your grace that's sufficient. We praise you, God, that we can rejoice in our infirmities, in our weaknesses, even in this time. That, Lord, we, we can say, Lord, please help us to draw upon the grace of God that the power of Christ may rest upon us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I know this message has been mostly for the saved. And I tried to preach to our church members in particularly to, to, pray, to pray that God would give you encouragement and strength and, and even consolation and comfort during this time. But you know, there might be someone listening this morning that's never been saved. And I want to say this, you're saved like Christians are sustained by grace. And it's through faith. And it's not of works, lest you get to heaven and truly boast that you were good enough to be saved. No one's good enough to be saved. Christ was good enough to become your Savior. If you'll trust Him this morning, He'll give you grace to save you. And then He'll give you grace to sustain you during disruptive moments, during storms. Now, I feel sorry for anyone that's lost going through something like this. I don't know where you'd find your peace, joy, purpose, or happiness. Because it's not going to be in this world because this world's falling apart. And this world has not, the world has no answers, really. They think they have all the answers, but only God has the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by Him. But if you'd like to be saved right where you're sitting, right where you're listening, why don't you bow your head? And why don't you pray a prayer something like this, Dear Lord, I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry. Lord, please forgive me. Just pray it from your heart. Come into my life. Save my soul. Dear Lord, I turn my whole life over to you. And I trust in your death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, thank you for saving me. Give me the strength and grace to glorify your name for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.
you prayed that prayer, we'd like to hear from you this morning. I want you to please call us at 706-278-6776. Text us. uh, Write us. uh, Respond on the on the Facebook or the or the um, uh, or better yet, just tell someone you're with. I just got saved, and we'll get you some material. We'll get you some help where you can grow. Now, Christian, this part of the invitation is for you. How are you doing through all this? Have you made some commitments? Have you drawn closer to God? Have you renewed your vows to God? Have you rededicated your life? Have you drawn more grace from God? Have you uh, experienced the comfort and the peace of God during this time? If not, this would be a good time to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've tried to handle this in my own power. I've tried to handle this in my own strength. And I prayed for this to be relieved, this thorn to go away, go away. So far, God has not allowed it to go away. I want to tell you something. He can change your prayer and say, well, Lord, most gladly rather, I'll just rejoice in my infirmities, my problems, and even this pandemic. And I'll yield my whole life to you. If that's your prayer this morning, I pray that you will be in church when we all get together, that you'll stay in your Bible until then, You'll pray every day for God to give you more grace. Father, thank you for the invitation. I pray that some have responded. It's hard to give an invitation when there's nobody here. There's only a few people here. Dear Lord, I believe by faith somebody got this message. Somebody's going to hear this message that needs it. That somebody's going to respond to your word or you wouldn't have laid it on my heart. So Lord, thank you for this time we've had together. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your grace. It's so sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen.